1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On The Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. This is 105.9 The Region. I'm Tina Cortez with On The Market, York Region's only radio real estate show. My co-host and our real estate expert is Asif Khan with Remax Prime Properties. Good morning, Asif. Good morning, Tina. Our focus this morning is the new build. Asif? Yeah, Tina. I mean, there's been so much focus on new construction, especially with the tightening of inventory and the price appreciation. And joining us to discuss new construction today is Alex Koch, Insight Lawyers representative and she is also part of Souk and uh, you know one of the preferred lawyers for Souk. Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Alex, we've heard so many stories of people uh, running into new construction offices and purchasing new construction because the price continues to climb for resale and now we're hearing stories of some projects maybe getting canceled or delayed and uh, you know tell us a little bit about uh, what happens in, in that instance? Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's one of the things that makes reconstruction more attractive is it's priced in a little bit, knowing that there are a lot of uncertainties when you're buying a pre-construction building. So not not to say anything bad about it, but one piece of advice that I always give to clients when they buy pre-construction is just for them to expect that because we the property hasn't been built yet, we don't know what's going to happen when it's time. There's always the possibility of delays there's possibility of increased closing costs. And then in mostly rare cases, I know we hear a lot about it in the news. It doesn't happen as often as, as it seems like, but there are cancellations sometimes. So <clears throat> to answer your question specifically for cancellations, it really depends on the circumstances of why the cancellation has happened. If you ever take a look at an agreement of purchase and sale that a builder provides, Usually, there is a lot of opportunity for a builder to be able to make changes to the way that they they build the building in order to be able to proceed with the project. There's also opportunities for them to delay closing if they need more time for whatever reason, and sometimes even increase costs if, let's say, they started digging and found out that it's going to cost them more to actually build the, the property. So that's why I'm saying that it's a rare circumstance generally because builders are, are given quite a lot of freedom in the typical agreement purchase and sale that you'd see. So when there is an actual termination of an agreement of purchase and sale, there's a lot of um, steps that need to be taken in order to figure out what has happened. So there could be different reasons for termination of a contract and a building not going through. And of course, purchasers are going to be deeply impacted. So it ultimately depends on the reason. There is a governing body for uh, builders. It's called Terion, which is also an insurance provider. And they also review the whole building process. And so if there is a project cancellation, that's typically a time that Terion gets involved in order to uh, investigate the cancellation and to see what has happened and what the recourse for the purchasers is going to be at that time. And is there realistically any recourse for the purchaser, for the buyer? It depends on what you mean by recourse. So is it to get their deposit back or is it to to force the builder to build the project? Well, either one, right? I mean, of course, we you know, that you would assume that the deposits are held in trust and those would be returned to the purchaser or buyer. 
But what about in terms of, you know, a, a buyer has made a commitment to this property. They haven't invested elsewhere. They've tied their money up with this particular builder, and then they decide to cancel for whatever reason. Is there realistically any recourse for the buyer or the purchaser? Technically, yes. So a builder is supposed to return any deposits that they've collected if there is a termination of a contract. <laughs> and then there is also provisions under, well, with carry-on and just generally in law is that there is some interest that's payable on the deposits. Now, if the builder, for whatever reason, can't return the deposits, there is a trustee that supposedly holds these deposits and so a purchaser can turn to the trustee in order to also ask for the deposit back. If for any reason the trustee no longer has the money, then the purchasers would have to turn to Tarion. As I mentioned, Tarion is an insurance provider as well. So there is some recourse that can be given directly through Tarion. There's always caps on how much Tarion will be able to give. And Tarion isn't just for return of deposits, but also if there's any building defects and things like that. But if you are going through the Tarion route, then there are caps on how much they're going to be able to give to you. And then again, depending on the circumstances, there's a general court proceeding that can be started uh, depending on, on the circumstances and what happened. But generally, um, purchasers also have that option if they wanted to go down that route if something bad happened or if there's um, you know, some potential claim against the builder. And Alex, you mentioned that there are certain uh, reasons why a builder could cancel a project or, or postpone a project. And you know, with the prices climbing, and, and if you look at, uh, you know, surrounding buildings that may be coming up and selling for a higher price point, maybe this project was sold a year or two ago and, and the price per square foot has gone up. How much does builder greed play into this? And, and have you seen that happen in, you know, your, your course of uh, looking at these agreements and, and condo buildings uh, in the course of law? I haven't personally seen anything like that from all the pre-construction deals that I've closed for my clients, the builder is very incentivized to finish construction and to close the deal because that's when they get paid and that's when they are able to get out and get their money. So ultimately, when I have clients complaining about delays or any other issues, the one assurance that we can give them is that the builder wants this done. They want to get paid. They want to finish this project and move on to the next. So if the project is not going through, there's probably some other circumstance that's preventing them from doing so. So I haven't personally experienced this, but one example that comes to mind that I've heard about is, for example, all the the delays and the increased expenses of labor and materials that we've seen in light of uh, COVID-19 that may have prevented a builder from being able to put up a project. I don't know if that's that's greed per se. A lot of the time it could be that a builder may not be able to get sufficient loans in order to build because in order for them to be able to build a project, they have to be able to apply to a bank to get a loan. And so it may have something to do with their inability to get capital in order to finish a project in light of some of these increased costs rather than necessarily them being greedy and not wanting to sell underpriced units. And Alex, if a purchaser is notified that a project is canceled, what is the first thing that they should do? I would say probably the first step is to call Tarion. Because Tarion, even on their website, 
they're quite comprehensive in terms of what everybody should do in various circumstances. As I mentioned, typically it's not very easy for a builder to just cancel a project. They do have to coordinate with Tarion. They do have to provide reasons for cancellation and explain themselves. And Tarion does conduct an investigation. So typically if a project is canceled, Tarion is aware. So I would say that would be one of the first steps is to call Tarion and then, of course, consult with your lawyer. And Alex, have you seen many instances of uh, buyers wanting to back out of pre-construction properties or pre-construction units? And is there any way that they would be able to back out of these? I have seen a few examples of buyers wanting to back out. Typically, I haven't seen many, but the times that I have, it's typically because there's an increased closing cost. So one example that comes to mind is there was supposed to be, uh, I had a client that bought a townhouse that was supposed to have a walkout basement. Now, in order, once the builder started digging, in order to have this walkout basement, they needed to change the grading in the backyard. And obviously that would cost a lot more than it was supposed to be when they didn't know that they'd have to change the grading. And so the builder passed that cost on to my client and it ended up creating difficulties for them to be able to close in, in time. Now, the typical agreement of purchase and sale that you have with a builder does allow the builder to make certain changes and increase certain costs in order for them to be able to still finish construction as it was originally stipulated. So the in and overall with closing costs, the standard agreement of purchase and sale is quite comprehensive. So it doesn't give a lot of ways out for a purchaser. So generally you don't see too many purchasers backing out. And the other reason that purchasers don't usually walk away is, as we've talked about in the beginning, is that when you buy pre-construction, it's typically cheaper. And if you're sitting on the project for one or two years, the resale value of a unit ends up being higher anyway. So most of the time, I see my clients being quite incentivized to close at the purchase price that they originally got versus what they would have to pay if they were to buy the project at the time that it's completed. And what is your advice then to anyone entering into this type of contract? Well, typically when you enter into a contract, in Ontario, there is a 10-day rescission period, meaning you have 10 days after you sign a contract to back out of the contract itself. So the first thing to do would be, A, to send that contract to your lawyer, make sure that your lawyer reviews it. There's certain things that you may be able to negotiate. As I mentioned, builders usually use their standard documents that are quite comprehensive and and do offer protections for builders, but there are certain things that you're able to negotiate in for yourself. Uh, For example, your ability to maybe assign the unit if you're not able to actually close on closing, potentially rent it out um, without the builder's consent. So there are certain areas that you may be able to negotiate. The second thing that I would say is you want to make sure that you're able to qualify for a mortgage. Typically, with banks, they'll be able to, they don't have to give you a commitment because obviously the closing is not happening for a while, but at a very minimum to get an opinion from a bank that you will qualify and that you will be able to close on the mortgage. And so you have that 10-day period in order for you to get your answers, which the key ones are, can I get financing? Is there anything in this contract that is really prejudicial to me? And once you have the answers to both, then that's ultimately your decision if you'd like to proceed with the purchase. Great advice, Alex. And if people want to get a hold of you, if they have more questions, how do they do that? Absolutely. Well, the first step is they can go on our firm's website. It's insightlawyers.com. And they can also reach me by email. It's acog at insightlawyers.com. 
Perfect. Thanks so much for the great information and for joining us today. Of course. No problem. Thanks for having me. After the break, the National Rent Report. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show on 105.9 The Region. Over to my co-host and our real estate expert, Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties with the National Rent Report. Asif. Thank you, Tina. Joining us is Ben Myers, president of Bullpen Consulting. Welcome back, Ben. Thanks for having me again. Ben, I know uh, last we spoke, rents were on the rise. And and once again, the rents across Canada have gone up 6.2% for last month. Tell us a little bit more about uh, what's in the report and what's causing the increase. Yeah, I mean, I think the uh, what, what we're calling the uh, post-vaccine pandemic recovery is, uh, you know, slowly continuing. Um, definitely boosted by BC, where it seems to have the hottest rental market. Ontario is uh, very strong as well. Definitely spurred on by downtown Toronto. People are are returning to the to the core and uh, with employers bringing back employees and things, you know, getting back to some sense of uh, normalcy in the market. And as I think we discussed last time, nothing more normal in the, uh, in the GTA housing market than, uh, than rents going up rapidly. And can you take us through the average rents then in terms of what is it like in Vancouver, Montreal, and in Toronto? Yeah. So we track, we tend to break things down so they're a little bit more, you know, uh, comparable across, uh, um, you know, across the nation. So, so one of the charts that we included just looked at condo and rental apartments. So, um, you know, at this point in time last year in Vancouver, the average rent for, you know, for a condo or rental apartment was $2,164 a month. Fast forward this year in Vancouver, that's up 23% annually to 2,661. So just enormous growth happening in the, uh, in the Vancouver market. Toronto, very strong growth as well. You know, went from 1,994 in February of 2021 to, to 2,312 in, in February of 2022. So a 16% increase. So, some of the other, you know, uh, you know, former municipalities within, uh, within, uh, the, you know, the city of Toronto, Etobicoke was up, uh, 12% uh, year over year. You know, Scarborough was a little more modest at, uh, at up 2%, but some other big growth, you know, uh, occurring uh, across the country. Interestingly enough, uh, uh, Gatineau was a strong market at plus 14%, but still, Extremely cheap to, to rent in Gatineau, less than $1,600, the average rent there. And, and Ben, what we're seeing across the board is an increase, but is there, uh, is there any type of property that's showing a higher increase? And, and does this have something to do with people moving back into the downtown core for work and maybe uh, having their, their place, Monday to Friday place now, and, and renting that? Is, is it the smaller ones that are showing a higher increase, or is it the two, three-bedroom places that are showing the higher increases? Well, just looking across the, the, the country, we're seeing very strong growth in the condo market. And again, that is dominated by the downtown core uh, um, uh, of Toronto. So, so condo rents are up 16% year over year. 
townhome rents are up 14% year over year. Single family rents are up 12%. And rental apartments are only up 2%, interestingly enough. But the one thing about rental apartments is they offered a decent amount of incentives at this point uh, last year. So there's a lot of inducements, you know, one month free rent or two months free rent. So the, 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 the rent that was being captured in the rentals.ca and, and bullpen consulting report uh, was not net of incentives. So, um, so with those incentives being eliminated, it's actually a much bigger increase than is actually being shown. And do you think that rents will continue to push higher? Yeah, I have no doubt that, that rents will continue to go to go up. You know, we're, we, we're seeing record levels of uh, immigration out there in the marketplace. Uh, I think there was, uh, you know, a lot of people that normally would have moved to, you know, a downtown Toronto location because they were starting their first job. You know, they were, you know, sitting at home, staying with mom and dad, or they stayed in their university town. So you saw pretty big growth in some of the uh, uh, the university areas during the pandemic, which was totally opposite of what you would have expected. But I think just a lot of people that graduated just stayed in their their apartments that they already had. They weren't they didn't move anywhere for a job because essentially their job was just on their computer. So, uh, so pretty interesting that that that, that occurred. But uh, yeah, I I have no no doubt that that demand will continue to exceed uh, supply growth in uh, especially in you know British Columbia and Ontario, um, uh, and we're going to continue to see you know rents go up. So. Uh, you know, the interest rate increases and the talk about further increases, I think, is going to, to push more people to rent than it maybe would have been in the ownership market, uh, especially with, you know, where prices are in, in the market right now. And that was going to be my next question, Ben, is we're hearing a lot of people saying, hey, with the interest rates going up and expected to go up a few more times, we're just going to rent for a few years. And what that's causing is with the supply chain issue, we're starting to see more demand for rentals and the price continuing to climb. Do you see that continuing as well? And, and where are we going to get supply for rentals? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, I, you know, I do consulting for, for developers and I've, I've done, you know, so many uh, uh, rental apartment studies and just so very few of those developers actually went ahead with it, you know, just because the, because uh, uh, the uncertainties of, of, of uh, rental development the high costs that are involved in it in a, in a longer return process and the condo market is, is just, you know, the pre-construction condo market is so very strong, right? So they're choosing to, to go the, go the condo route. Um, so it's kind of interesting in that sense, but at least, you know, with this, uh, this new uh, housing affordability uh, action plan by the, uh, uh, by the conservative government, they're making a push to try to make it easier to bring on supply in the marketplace. But again, that, the impact of that will probably not be felt for three, four, five, even 10 years down the road if some of these things get, uh, get implemented. So certainly in the short term, I expect rents to go up. But again, I, I did mention, but in most in most areas, rents are still below their pre-pandemic highs, so their late 2019 highs. So the market is returning, but it's still not at a peak level. So it's it's slowly returning, and and uh, and I kind of anticipate that this kind of slow increase will continue over the next at least you know 12 to 18 months. And what is the range for the average rent, whether it's a studio, a one bedroom, or two bedroom condo? Well, it really depends on your, you know, the, the geography. But um, you know, we in this latest rent report, we we looked at it on uh, on a national basis, and again, this is for all property types. So, 
uh, a studio apartment would run you thirteen hundred dollars a month. If you wanted a one bedroom, that's fifteen eighty. So you're basically looking at uh, another you know two hundred eighty dollars to get to uh, to one bedroom. Uh, a two bedroom, one thousand nine hundred thirty five. Uh, a three bedroom, two thousand three hundred thirty seven. Four bedroom, two thousand eight hundred thirty five. So I uh, give you a little bit of a sense that you're basically yeah, every bedroom that you're adding, you need to uh, you know three hundred or four hundred dollars more for that uh, that bedroom. So gives you a little bit of a sense of uh, where rents are in the marketplace. And we're starting to see suburban rents catch up to the rents in the city core. I was uh, having a conversation with an agent uh, uh, earlier this week, and and we were saying how you know for twenty three hundred dollars you can rent. Uh, a condo in Markham or, you know, maybe for $2,400, you can rent one downtown. So that gap no longer exists. Are you seeing that right across from most major cities to suburbs surrounding them? Well, I don't think we broke it down in, in many of the cities. We have looked at that in, you know, the downtown core of Toronto versus the, the rest of the GTA. And, and there was at one point in time, a pretty significant difference between what you pay for rent in downtown. And then during the pandemic, that shrunk as people, you know, uh, left the city because, you know, all the, the key things that drive people to cities, employment, amenities, uh, were all shut down, entertainment. Uh, so it just drove people to, to seek out cheaper accommodation. But now that stuff's back, you're starting to see that premium grow again. Will it ever get back to the, the where it was pre-pandemic? I don't know. But I expect it will because, um, you know, I know you guys are, are, are based in York region, but I would guess that most young people still want to be in the downtown core where, where a lot of the entertainment and a lot of the, uh, the bars and a lot of the, and, uh, the single people are, are hanging out on the weekend. So, uh, I don't think that trend is, is going to go away completely. And all this great information. If our listeners want to read more or the full report, where can they find it? Yeah. So it's just a rental slash national dash rent dash report. Maybe just search the national rent report. Uh, rental.ca should come up and uh, I have additional uh, uh, charts and stuff occasionally on on, uh, on, on my website, uh, bullpenconsulting.ca. That's awesome. Thanks for that. And uh, thanks for joining us once again and enjoy the rest of the weekend. No problem. You too. When we come back, your real estate questions and the hot listing brought to you by Souk, simplifying the home ownership experience. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show on 105.9 The Region. Time now for listener questions, and we begin with Tara in King, she wants to know how to begin her search for a summer-winter cottage property. Are there expert realtors or specialists in this field to help? Asif, what do you think? Well, there sure are, and it depends on where you want to be, and we can uh, hook you up with the right person uh, in order to get the right information. And it depends on if you want an all-season property, if you just want a seasonal property, and where you want it, what the use would be. Is it to rent out? Is it for personal use? Once we have all of that information, we can definitely point you in the right direction and get you some help out there because the, the rules and regulations and also the features are so different than buying a city property. I mean, you have to deal with wells and water and septic, and there's so many different 
aspects that have to be taken into consideration. You really do want an expert helping you. And what about in terms of the price point? Is it a good time to buy a cottage property right now? Right now, cottage properties are no different than, uh, you know, city properties or suburban properties in that there's very limited inventory. Now, over the pandemic period, the the two years, uh, people were moving up north because they could work from anywhere. There was homeschooling and they wanted to be in an area that they could enjoy since they weren't going on vacations and stuff. So a lot of properties like that got scooped up over the pandemic period, but they will come back on the market with now people starting to move back to the city and and going back in person to their jobs, you'll start to see some of these properties come back for sale. Our next question comes from Bill in Richmond Hill. He owns a commercial property. He thinks the value of his building has decreased. Asif, this is where you come in. Do you believe that his property will ever be in demand again? Yeah, it will be. And, you know, it, it really is subjective as to uh, the decrease in value because you have to consider what you're comparing that to. There's uh, Real estate is a long-term game. And if you're looking at short-term results, then you may seem like the property has been decreasing or, or could decrease. However, when you consider the long-term, the property will continue to go up in value. So if you're thinking of selling it, I would just time the market on that to make sure that there's not a lot of inventory of the product that you're trying to sell and also time it with demand. And that way you won't be faced with any sort of decrease or loss. As a reminder, you can send your questions anytime to info at 1059theregion.com. But Asif, if our listeners prefer to contact you directly, how can they do that? You know, they can reach me at 416-985-CON. That's 416-985-5426. Now, just before we go, the On the Market Hot Listing brought to you by Souk, S-O-U-Q-H, simplifying the home ownership experience. Asif, over to you. Thank you, Tina. Today, we're going to go to South Unionville, and this is an awesome little subdivision. It is right at, uh, between McCowan and Kennedy, just north of 407 and just south of Highway 7. It's uh, off of South Unionville Boulevard and just a fabulous little community, great parks, great schools. And we've got 587 Kaboto on the market right now. It's just listed for just under 1.1 million, but this is a huge semi. And by that, I mean, it is almost 2,500 square feet. There's four bedrooms plus a bedroom in the basement. It's a gorgeous lot in, in terms that you don't get a lot of larger lots. Uh, in Markham anymore. And this one is about 130 feet deep. So you've got uh, everything at your fingertips. You've got Markville Mall around the corner, great school in Unival Meadows. You've got Markville Secondary School just up uh, up the street on McAllen. Everything is within maybe a, a five-minute radius. And you're close to the 407, 404, Highway 7. Uh, transit goes right through. It's a great little community and a great little home. Now, Asif, you said that this is a four-bedroom home. It's a semi. 2,500 square feet, though, that seems like quite a large semi. Is that right? It is. And and some of these houses are pretty large in this area. Uh, this area is not that old either. It's probably about 16, 17 years old. So the houses are not... Uh, you know, dated or anything like that. They're they're very well built, and uh, Kubota kind of cuts across the back of the subdivision, so it's nice and private. You you back onto the 407, but gives you a deeper lot, and there's a huge hill back there to cut down on the noise from the 407. It's just such a convenient little pocket. Your university is going to be walking distance 
So in a couple of years, if you have university students or, or you want to rent this out to university students, this is a great investment. All right. One more time, the highlights of the property and where our listeners can get more information. It's a four plus one bedroom property. So that's one bedroom in the basement, three bathrooms. It's uh, absolutely stunning. It's got great features. It's a larger home for a semi-detached home. So, you know, you don't have the neighbors on one side. There's a lot of townhouses in this area as well, some nice detached homes. Uh, It's at McCowan and 407. Uh, South Unionville runs between Kennedy and McCowan, just north of 407. So very accessible, lots of amenities offered for $1,088,000. And for more information, they can contact Jackie Othen, and she can be reached directly at 647-383-7653. If you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including... Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. I'm Tina Cortez. Thank you for listening. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.